Thank you all who are worshiping with us online, whether through YouTube or Facebook. We appreciate that. We had a few technical difficulties, so thanks for your patience for those who are on YouTube especially. Uh, You're right here on the front row with all of us here today, and I just want to acknowledge how much of a boring start 2021 has had. I mean, there's nothing in the news right now that's exciting at all. It's been just a very casual 2021, hasn't it? I wish. It was a crazy week, and... Uh, We're going to talk next Sunday about a topic that I've I've become very passionate about, and it's depression, something that most everyone faces to some extent in their life. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe it's something that you live with day to day. And so we were geared up, ready to talk about that today, but we're going to bump that to next week. I wanted to push the pause button because Watching the news, watching what was playing out on my screens this week really impacted me. My heart was so heavy about watching what happened at the U.S. Capitol this week. And as I thought about that and tried to deal with my own emotions and thoughts about it and feelings about it, I couldn't help but think, God, what do you want us to learn from this? God, what do you want us to, how do you want us to respond to this? What, What now? And how did we get here? And in my own little personal journey of thinking about this and praying about this, I couldn't help but find myself going to a passage in the Bible that I want to share with you today. And I guess I have to admit that the reason that I think that this passage came to my mind is because it kind of struck a similar chord to what happened at the Capitol last week. You know, a lot of times human beings can get together in, in big numbers, and next thing you know, You're saying things and doing things you never thought you would say or do. And that happens a lot in human history. And it just reminded me of this moment in our history. And I want to read it for you. And and maybe we can sort of allow ourselves to be in that moment and just place ourselves there. And imagine what it looked like, what it sounded like, maybe even what it felt like to be in this crowd back in the first century. So I want to read to you from John chapter 19. Let's start in verse 1. You'll know from the first verse what we're talking about. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. What a way to start a chapter. Jesus is already beginning to suffer, to pay for the sins of the world. He's actually in the middle of a trial right now. And Pilate, who is the governor, a Roman governor, is basically appeasing these religious leaders who had brought Jesus before them saying, we want you to to punish this guy. And so it goes on in verse 2, the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. He's getting a well-known, well-understood Roman beating that would happen in those days. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. It's a very unusual thing here. We would think, so why are you having him beaten? But he's trying to appease this crowd. Maybe if I rough Jesus up enough, they'll be satisfied. They'll get off my case. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! They, they got people to chant it and yell it and scream it. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. 
The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. Their accusation against Jesus was blasphemy, to call himself God. And you know, maybe if we lived back in those days and we were a devout Jew, maybe we would feel the same way about Jesus. I don't know. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. This is an interesting verse. A lot of times we don't think about Pilate being scared. It seems like he was ruthless, right? But if you read the scriptures, it sounds like he was really, really torn about what he should do here. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? I love what Jesus says next. And Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. This is a very interesting statement. It's definitely reminding us that even human beings who are in positions of power really don't have power at all except what has been given to them. All things have been established by God himself. But there's also a statement that scholars have debated, what is Jesus getting at here when he says, so the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Well, he's probably referring to the Jewish leaders. You know, I wouldn't even be in this situation if it weren't for them. So since they did that, they're committing the greater sin here. It's a very interesting thing to think about here. It's almost like Jesus is trying to say, Pilate, I'm really sorry you're put in this position. Wow, he's been beaten, wearing a crown of thorns, mocked, slapped. Verse 12, then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Right? That's, that's one motivating statement to make to a Roman governor. You, you want to make sure that you are loyal to the emperor. And so if you don't do this, you have broken loyalty with him. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar, they said. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement, which in Hebrew is Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest, shouted back. That is huge. That's something that no devout Jew would ever dream any other Jewish person would ever say out loud or even think in their heart and in their mind. They were so desperate to get rid of Jesus and to have him silenced that they said, we don't have any king but Caesar, who, by the way, called himself God. In verse 16, we find the end result of all of this. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. And the rest is biblical history where Jesus died on that cross, but then three days later stepped out of that grave, accomplishing the salvation of humanity for all who would believe in him. And so as I read this story, I don't know about you, but I feel this big tension between, thank you, God, for all that you did for me, but also, I can't believe they did this to Jesus, a good, righteous man who committed no sin, who had no fault in him, 
who is led like a silent lamb into slaughter by the Roman government. And all that the Jewish leaders did to force it to happen, it causes you to almost feel upset inside, frustrated inside, while at the same time, the story that God was writing was a necessary story. And it made me think of this this week, and I believe this is what we need to be thinking about in light of our current circumstances here in the year 2021 in the United States of America. We have a choice to make. And I would invite you to decide to be on the right side of not history, but his story. Decide to be on the right side of his story, God's story. Do you know that God is writing his story? We have the gift of great 2,000-year hindsight when I read John 19. We know what God is up to. We know that he is writing his redemption story. And as hard as it is to hear how it was done, and to visualize it is almost sickening, it was still part of God's story. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've wondered, what if I was born in a different era and I would be on the streets of Jerusalem as an adult in the first century? I honestly wonder, would I have joined the crowd that raised their fist and demanded Jesus be crucified? I don't know. And you don't know that about yourself. We all have no way of knowing that. But I know because we are broken human beings, it's possible. We are capable of that. And though the story God was writing was such a necessary story, the words of Jesus to Pilate reminds me, I want to be on the right side of his story. I want to make sure that I do that. I want to live my life in such a way. I want to be so in tune with God and what he is doing around me that I make sure that whatever story he is writing, I'm not playing the Jewish leader's role. I'm not playing Pilate's role in that story. I want to play a different role in his story. Don't you? If that's what you want and that's what you desire, I want to give you some things that you can consider putting into action in your life that God has taught me and convicted me about this week. The first one is this. Ask yourself if Jesus would do it this way before you do what you're about to do, before you say what you're about to say. What if we hit the pause button and ask, is this how Jesus would have me do it? Would he have me do it this way? How many of you all, during the pandemic, found a way to get on Disney Plus and watch The Mandalorian? I have a feeling adult men watched it more than the kids did. I don't know. We love our Star Wars, some of our Star Wars geeks out there. It is a really cool series. And that's how I used my seven-day free trial was to binge watch The Mandalorian back early last year. So for those of you who know what I'm talking about, what was the famous quote from The Mandalorian? He would make a decision. He would declare what he was about to do. And then he would say these four words. Anybody know? Let me hear you say it. This is the way. My favorite quote from Mandalorian. Every now and then, I'll have a tech conversation with someone who I know knows Star Wars, and I'll say, this is the way. Going to go eat Skyline. This is the way. That's right. Now, 
I love that quote because it reminds me of a famous quote from Jesus Christ. He was about to leave the disciples. He knew he was about to be crucified, about to step out of a grave and ascend into heaven. And he said this to the disciples. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And friends, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the way. And he's not just the way to check a box for salvation in the future, and then we move on to other things. No, 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 no. He's the way right now for your life. When you wake up in the morning, you ask him to show you his way, to lead you into his way. What would your life be like? What would your speech be like? What would your interactions with the people in your life be like if you hit the pause button and said, I want to know and make sure that I'm doing things his way instead of my way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And most of us, that's our life. We, we just do what seems right. But no, instead, let's not just do what seems right to us. Let's seek to do what God wants us to do. That means we got to pray. It means we got to be in his word. It means we got to have other people around us that are also following Jesus to help us understand that, to pray for us, encourage us, and keep us accountable. Ask yourself if Jesus would do it this way. Here's another thing. Speak the truth in love, but listen and learn before you even speak. How would life be different right now? How would social media be different right now if more and more people did this? James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Speak the truth in love. But before you even speak, listen, learn. Ask if what I'm about to say or what I'm about to post would be the way Jesus would do it. And then go, and then do, and then speak. What a different way to live. That's so countercultural right now, right? This is so different than the rest of the world lives. And guess what? That's how God wants to do this, to point people to a different way, a better way. Speaking of that, here's the question that came to my mind. Maybe it came to your mind as well this week as I watched what was happening on the television screen. How did we get here? Now listen, there's a lot of hot takes about that. I'm going to ask that rhetorically. But I do have a theory about it, and it's a spiritual theory about it, and I believe it is probably true. I think the reason that we are where we are right now, and I think the reason we're seeing anger and chaos coming together so many times in so many places all across our country and even the world right now is because of a a misplaced hope. That if we're being honest, we put more hope than we're willing to admit in circumstances we desire, outcomes we trust in and hope for, when really there's only one place or hope will never fail. I wrote this down for my sake, and I want to share it with you. If your hope is built on anything else but King Jesus, that hope will crumble and fall every time. Every single time. I believe this is the greatest lesson 
from 2020 and beyond that I want to take away with me is this. I have a lot of hope and a lot of things that I didn't realize I had a lot of hope in. And when that hope comes and falls, it causes a lot of emotions within me, whether it be sadness or depression or anger or whatever it is. And then I'll respond out of those emotions. And all too many times, Jesus is not in that equation at all. And he has convicted me deeply to say, where is your hope? Really? What if we started realizing that we exist for one king only? What if we were to realize that we exist for one kingdom only? I think it would change a lot of things about myself personally. I think it would change a lot of things about us as a church, as a community, as a family, as a a country perhaps. This is different. And the world and our country and our community needs different more than ever right now because people are wondering, now what? Where do we go from here? What's next? What if we pointed them to a kingdom that is eternal, that would never fail? What if we pointed them to a king who can be trusted, who will live forever, and who knows us and loves us more than we could ever know and love ourselves? Friends, that changes life as we know it. It changes everything. And God offers that freely to us, to everyone, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you would call yourself on the spiritual spectrum, whether you feel like you might be atheist or agnostic or whatever, I'm coming before you right now. As you're watching and listening to this online or you're sitting here in this room, I'm here to tell you everything that I read to you from John 19 was personal, personally for you. Jesus did it all for you. He just wants to walk with you every day. And lead you into his good and perfect will for your life. And he wants to use you to spread hope in your family. To spread hope in your neighborhood. To spread hope at your school. To spread hope among your friends, your classmates, your teammates. To spread hope in your community. To spread hope in this world. Are you letting him use you for that great cause? If not... He's inviting you to join that cause today. Here's the next step I want you to consider. It's something that Jesus literally said in the first century, and he's saying it right now loudly and clearly in the 21st century. He just says, come follow me. Just take a step of faith and join me. Today you can start doing that and say, okay, that's it. I'm following Jesus. Okay, that's it. I'm following Jesus. Will you take that step of faith today? It starts with a simple prayer to say, okay, God, I believe in you, and I believe you sent Jesus for me. I put my faith in you today. I am yours. I will follow you now forever. Just tell him that. The best way you know how to tell him that. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Back in the first century, the most scandalous two words to be said that landed so many first century believers in prison and caused their death were these words, Christos Kurios. Christ is Lord. Because those words were meant to be Caesar 
Kuriat. <laughs> but people stood for, more than anything else in the first century, was who was their real king? Jesus. What if we started doing that? And it's why I want to add an, add an and to this next step. Yes, I invite you to a next step to come and follow Jesus, but then I also invite you to do something else with me. What if we, and you're going to like my play on words here based on the events of last week, let's storm the gates of hell together with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with his love, and with humble service to others. Let's do that. Because you know what else we've done? We've not only misplaced our hope, we have misidentified the enemy. The enemy is not flesh and blood, as it says in Ephesians 6.12. It is not flesh and blood. The real enemy is laughing right now because he's been able to stir the pot and cause human being to lash out against human being, even Christ follower, to lash out against Christ follower. But King Jesus says, listen, folks. I died on the cross for you so that I could lead you into my way. And my way is so different. It's a way of love. It's a way of humility. It's a way that is slow to anger and slow to speak. It is different. It is an allegiance to one king and one kingdom. And yes, we fight, but we fight a different enemy. An enemy that is trying to wage war against souls to get them to believe in and put their hope in something other than the one true king. Oh, friends, we do have a battle on our hands, but it's a different battle than the battle most people have been fighting in the past year. Why don't you begin to follow Jesus and storm the gates of hell with hope? Because right now, you got a family member, you got a coworker, you got a classmate, you got a teammate who's desperately looking for hope. And God wants to use you to show it to them. So let's do that together. I want you to bow your head right where you are, and you might be watching and listening on at home or in a car. So I don't know how you want to do this if you're watching, listening online, but while I'm leading us in a time of prayer here in person, no one is looking around. But I want to invite you to do something right where you are. If you have heard the voice of God in your heart today, and you know he wants you to start doing some things differently, starting today, then I just simply invite you to stand up right where you are. And by standing up right where you are, if you're sitting in the living room at home or in another room and you're doing this with us, I invite you to stand up as well. This is just between you and God. This is not to show anyone else around you to say, okay, God, I'm standing before you and I'm declaring that today in you, my King, Alone am I placing my hope from this point on. And I'm asking you right now, starting today, to use me to spread hope to others, to battle the enemy in this world with your hope and your love and your light. If that's you, will you stand right now?
Oh, Father, you know every heart that is watching this, listening to this, every heart in this room, you know us way better than we know ourselves, oh God. And Lord, you've seen those who have decided now's the time for me to stand start doing things a little differently than I've been doing before. I want to follow my one king. I want to keep my hope in my one king. Oh Lord, we come before you and ask you to help us do that, God. I thank you for the desire for people to do that starting today. Lord, help everyone who has taken a stand to know that you're with them, that they are not going to do anything today or the next day or for the rest of their lives by their own strength or by their own power, but it's going to happen by your strength, by your power, by your leadership, by your guidance. And God, that is so awesome. Because of that, we can walk out of here in just a moment with great peace and great hope, knowing that this is all you and it's all about you, not us. Father, thank you for these steps being taken today. And now everyone who's in this room, I want to invite you to stand right now, right where you are too, because as we get ready to leave in just a moment, we want to say another prayer, asking God to do something different starting today, to lead us into a next step with him that would result in greater hope, not only for us, but for those around us. Oh, Father, Lord, I thank you for teaching us from your word today. And I thank you so much that you are our living hope, that, God, you are the greatest king of all, and that, Lord, you will never leave us or forsake us, that you never fail. And that, God, we can trust in you no matter what, that we can wait on you, knowing that whatever the outcomes in our lives are going to be, that it's going to be the outcome you desire. Oh, Lord, we praise you and thank you for that, God. And Lord, as we prepare to leave this place, may we walk into the next thing on our calendars today, ready to live in your hope and to spread that hope to others. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, before you click off of this, before you leave this room, we want to hear from you. If you took a step of faith or you desire to take a step of faith, we have a short number that you can text, 77411. Just text the words next step to us so that we can pray for you, so we can encourage you as you continue to live in that new hope that you have found in Jesus Christ. Thanks for worshiping with us, guys. We love you. Have a great rest of your day. God bless you.